Mary Baptist Church. We're talking about uh, the evolution of theology and persecution of true Christians. True Christians never persecute anyone. True Christians never persecute anyone. In the history of Christianity, true Christians have never persecuted any other religion. The only thing that true Christians will do is speak out against them. And there's nothing wrong with freedom of speech. Of course, in Islamic countries, you don't have freedom of speech. In America today, freedom of speech is becoming a fading right. Hopefully, America will turn around before it's too late. Hopefully. Now, in history... <clears throat> we studied the uh, the church at Ephesus AD 30 through 251 uh, Smyrna AD 251 to 313 AD and the book of Revelation in prophecy the book of Revelation is a book of prophecy now the word prophecy and prophesy with a S-C, why, that's a noun. That is a prophecy, that is a statement. Prophesy, S-Y, that is a verb, and that means to prophesy. The book, the writer of the book of Revelation, which was John the Apostle, wrote down what God told him was going to happen during the church age. And he took seven churches of Asia, there were more than that, he took seven churches of Asia, and he used them to teach what was going to happen throughout the church age from the beginning of it until the end. Now, Smyrna, which we were in last week, Smyrna, you remember what Smyrna means? Smyrna. It comes from myrrh. Myrrh. It means bitter. It means bitter. Bitter. Suffering. The church in Smyrna or the church age of Smyrna suffered greatly during that period of time. Now, <clears throat> during this period of time also, there were ten periods of persecution by the Roman government. Ten periods of persecution by the Roman government. Now, one of the Roman Caesars, or one of the Caesars, was Nero. Nero. That was from 54 A.D. to 68 A.D. And during this period of time, many people died for Christ. He uh, basically instituted that Rome would burn. Nero wanted to rebuild Rome on a classical, tremendous scale. But there was a lot of houses in Rome, and he wanted to build them back in stone. A lot of it was in wood, wood structures. And basically, he had Rome set on fire. And he sat up there, and he watched Rome burn. And he played his uh, fiddle or lyre or whatever he was playing and, and, and would uh, sing music all the time as burning. 
Well, after Rome burned, he blamed it on the Christians. And then he took the Christians out and he would take them and put them in the Colosseums and turn wild beasts on them. He would take them out and uh, behead them, crucify them. And one of the things that he did, as, as they were having the games in the Colosseum, he would take a Christian and tie the Christian to a pole and put sap and tar all around it and set the Christian on fire and the Christian would burn to death as it would make light for the college. Can you imagine the smell of all of this? Burning flesh. Well, that's the kind of person that Nero was. Nero was pretty nuts. Then we have Domitian. Domitian uh, ruled between 81 and 96 A.D. And he also persecuted the Christians. Then we had Trajan. Trajan, another Roman ruler. And that was between 98 and 117 A.D. 98-117 Many of these Christians died under his reign. Adrian. Adrian. Between 161 A.D. and 180 A.D. We have a sayings that the Christians would use for these periods of time. Died for Christ. Dying grace. Living grace. Severius. 202 A.D. to about 211 or 193 A.D., somewhere around there to about 211. Uh, a lot of this period of time, right up there by your head, Larry, is a book called Fox's Book of Mortars. And it tells about all the different things, the different Christians, their names, the names of the Christians that died. These were real people. Then we have Maximus from 235 to 238. We have Decius from 249 to 251. And during this time of period of time, the churches, churches of the valleys of the Piedmont, some of the people began to run to the valleys of the Piedmont. Later on, out of Asia Minor, they will run and hide out there from this period of time on because of the, uh, the Muslims that will come up. Of course, uh, Muhammad wasn't born until 570 A.D. If, it's, if that is even really, if he was re, really even a true person. A lot of people today realize, realize historically that there's no foundation that the man even existed. Then we have Valerian. From 253 to 200, 253, 254 to 260 A.D. We have Amelius or Aurelian in 270 to 275 A.D. And then we have Diocletian from 284 to 305 A.D. These are the ten periods of persecution that's referred to in the book of Revelation uh, of under the Roman government. 
But the first people to persecute Christianity were the Jews. The Jews were the first people to persecute Christianity. Now, <clears throat> we looked at, uh, at the last verse. Again, we'll look at the last verse, 2.11. The one having an ear, let him hear. And that's an imperative. The one having an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, he continues to say to the church. Is that word legay there? That's the whole conjugation of that verb, okay? Legay there is third person singular present indicative active and it means uh, he, he said and continued to say to the churches. The ones conquering. No not shall be hurt you will not be harmed out of the second death. No, not you shall be hurt out of the second death. Now, we all die. Everybody in this room is old. <laughs> We're all over 70 years old, okay? The God gave us, it said, the three scoring 70 years of the average person's life is 70 years. We have beat that. Hallelujah. We beat that, okay? I did it, and I didn't ever expect myself to ever live to be 70 years old because of all the health issues I had and uh, the plagues of, on my life. Anyway, we all die. But over here on this chart, we have... A rapture here of all the saved and probably of all the saints back from that time on. And then we have, a, a, for 1,000 years, we have uh, people living and dying on the earth in the, what we call the kingdom age or the glory age or the Christ kingdom, the millennial reign. And then at the end of that, there is a judgment called the great white throne judgment. Now, the Christians have already been judged for what they've done for the Lord. You're saved by grace. But what you do after you're saved, it puts, uh, that's your retirement, for eternal retirement, okay? What you give to the Lord, what you've done for the Lord, that is your eternal retirement. That is your 401k, so to speak, all right? And it cannot be touched by corruption, by anything, the stock market or whatever, it is going to last forever. Your Christians have already been rewarded and now at the end of the millennium, all of the dead that died without Christ are raised and resurrected. And then they are all judged. And they are cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Now, these people all, every one of them, died during some of this persecution. 
but they will never be touched by that second death. They died once. Jesus said, if you believe in me, even though you die, you shall never, you shall live forever. And we as Christians look forward to that eternal life and the rewards for what we've done for Christ, we are rewarded in that period of time. Uh, Jesus said some of them will be rulers in his, king, in his kingdom. Some will be rulers. Some will be ditch diggers, <laughs> basically. And some will be over five cities. Some will be over ten cities. Some will be over a hundred. According to what you have done for Christ, that's how you're, you're saved by grace. But what, you're, what you've done for Christ is a debt God owes you. Basically. Now, these Christians, even though they died, will not see the second death. Now we are going to talk to the church of Pergamum. Pergamum. Gamon. Gamon. We talk about uh, Pergamon means twice married. Two times married. That's 313 to 606 A.D., this period of time. So let's look on the chart. Uh, 313 to 606 A.D. It's this period of time here. Now if you look on this map, and if you have a trail of blood, if you don't have a trail of blood all of you out there all over the world, go to discovertheword.com or discovertheword.drjim.com and look over to the left-hand column there, and you can download the trail of blood. And you can have that. You can print it out if you want to. It's all there for you that we've done that so you can have that. All the things that are going to happen during this period of time, this prophecy to Pergamum is relevant because God told something before it was going to happen. God told them this is what's going to happen during this time. Now, the church, the churches, I should say, I, I say church, I talk about the institution. The church as an institution had persecution from without and heresy from within. And the heretics really did a lot of damage to Christians. If you don't believe that, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, all of these scriptures were talking about different problems in churches. The Hebrew letter, problems in churches. Christians Hebrews that became Christians that wanted to go back into Judaism and the flagrance of that today is in the Seventh-day Adventist. They call themselves Christians but they want to be Jews. Basically. So let's get started and we're going to talk about what happened during this period of time right here. We've infant baptism, a church and state united Constantine 313, the Persecution Act, the Tolerance Act, the first Pope, 
basically the first pope really in all reality was uh, Constantine, Pontifus Maximus. We have Mariolatry, the worship of Mary started. We have infant baptism established by law. We have indulgences. And we'll look at all of these, what happened. This is, this is going to come out of Catholicism, the great harlot of the book of Revelation. The Catholicism is the great harlot. Now, I'm going to translate to you as I read from the Greek text here because there's some things I want to bring out from there. We're teaching these chapters from Revelation from Greek. Kaito Anglo Tes and Pergamu. And to the angel. Now, who's the angel again? The pastor. And to the pastors of the churches in this age. In Pergamos, twice married. You write. You write this down. Second person singular, first aorist imperative. Actually, you write it, grapho, grapho. We got a word graphic out of that. And graph from the Greek word grapho. You write. And uh, these things, he says, the one having the sword, the double-edged sword. The sharp on both sides sword. The double-edged sword, the sharp. Now, the Roman government ruled all of its colonies by the edge of the sword, didn't they? But Jesus Christ, in Revelation, the 19th chapter, it says that out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. He said, I write to you, it's the one having the sword, the two-mouthed, the sharp two-edged sword. Now, also, in history, there was a battle of uh, Melvin Bridge, July the 25th, A.D. 306. It was the end of the Tetrarchy, and the beginning of the new Holy Roman Empire when Constantine killed his brother. And it was uh, spread out by different rulers. And, and Constantine took over the whole Roman government and he called it the new Rome, Holy Roman Empire. The new Ro- Holy Roman Empire. And that's what, when it happened right there. Now, going back a little bit in history, which... Uh, <laughs> You know, I don't believe in these modern-day prophets, and we're going to do a message on modern-day prophets one of these days. But here we have uh, Constantine. He said his his mother was supposedly a Christian. And uh, she went to the Holy Land and marked off all the sacred sites there and everything during this period of time. But Constantine, the night before the battle with his brother, He's going to fight his brother over the control of the Roman Empire. The night before that, he said he had a dream, and in the sky, he saw a fiery red cross. And it said, by this conquer, by this conquer, Jesus Christ never told us to go out and kill anybody, did he? He told us to go out and preach 
He didn't go tell us to take a sword and go out and kill people. He didn't say that. Now you have a right to protect yourself from whatever, but you're not supposed to go out and make Christianity by the sword. That's not what it's supposed to be about. Anyway, he said, by this conquer. So the next day when he got up, he went out there and they took a red paint and they put a cross on all of the shields of his soldiers. And he told them they were going to conquer by, the, uh, by heavenly power. And that's how the Holy Roman Empire began. 2 and verse 13. He said, I have known where you live. Where you live, where you down home, Kata Oikes, Kata Oikyo, and where the throne of Satan it is. I know where you live. He's talking to the Roman government now, and he's talking to the uh, the churches that live within that Roman government. He said, I know where you live and where the throne of Satan is. I know where Satan's throne is. And Satan's throne, basically, Satan would take his seat in the throne of the Holy Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire, that sounds real good, doesn't it? But pretty is as pretty does. What did that Holy Roman Empire do? Most of Christianity out there that just uh, praise uh, the the... The, con con the people that went in conquering in the name of the sword. If you want to praise somebody, praise those Christians in the background standing for the truth when the truth was not accepted. When the truth was basically uh, tried to be destroyed. Where the throne of Satan is He's talking about all the way from 313, 306 basically, 313 all the way to 606 A.D. Now the first pope, the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., they declared that Constantine was Pontifus Maximus. That's a Latin term. That means that he was the ultimate ruler and that he was the apostle of God. And that what he said would actually be inspired of God. What he did was inspired of God. This is a God. This is a godly inspired man. I know where the throne of Satan is, and that uh, that you have held the name of me. You held with might the name of me, and you have not denied the faith the faith of me, even in the days of Antipas. Antipas means against all, by the way. In the days of Antipas, the, the witness or the martyr of me, the, one, the faithful martyr of me, who was killed beside where Satan dwells, where Satan makes his home. The great altar of Zeus stood in the temple in the middle of all of this in Rome. 
And basically, by the way, it is now in East Berlin. They took it and moved it over there. Pergamus was uh, famous for making paper. And there was over 200 volumes of books in this area, over 200 volumes of books in the library there in Pergamus. Later on, Anthony gave this uh, library to Cleopatra. Now, this was way earlier, you know, before this period of time, but this is what made this city, Pergamus, famous. Antipas, belonging to the Father, the one that stood against all. Verse number 13 now. But, and this word but here is all, or Allah, Allah echo kata si oliga. But I have some things against you, because you have there ones holding to the teaching of Balaam. What happened during this period of time now? The great Roman church took over. In 251 A.D., uh, there was a, a controversy in the church at Rome between Cornelius and Novation. And uh, it was over some of the people, and this is before Constantine now, right before Constantine. This was before Constantine and before the Holy Roman Empire. But the church is beginning to try to be have power over others. It wants to 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 control small churches by big churches or uh, have influence. And they were still being persecuted, and some people were still dying because of Christ. And they would arrest a church member, and they tried to find the deacons and the pastor. And they would torture the person, and sometimes uh, some of these people would recant their religion and uh, make offering to, to Caesar, and they would tell who the pastor was, and they'd kill the pastor. Pastors were very important. They memorized the Bible. In this period of time, pastors had to memorize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels, and they had to uh, memorize the Psalms. The Psalms were basically uh, church Psalms. You know, that's how you, you praise the Lord. And then the person would repent later on and say, I'm sorry, I want to come back in the church. Well, Cornelius said, well, let's go ahead and just welcome them back in the church. Novation said, no. Our lives are on the line. Make them publicly be baptized again, and that way their head is in the noose, and not, not, not going to be forgiven the next time around. They got off one time, but if they arrest them again, they'll probably... Execute So we will be safer. And they need to make a public profession of Christ. Well, Cornelius won. And the church started going downhill from that time in the church at Rome. But now the church at Rome becomes uh, uh, basically the head of Rome, the head of the Roman Empire. And then Constantine moves his... Uh, 
ecclesiastical seat from Rome to Constantinople, which he named after him. <coughs> and so all of this is looking down through the things that's going to happen here. Now, when the church of Rome took over the power, they said, here's Rome, here's another town over here, here's another town over here. You can only have a pastor in that town that we recognize and we license. And we will pay him out of the national debt or the national treasury. The teaching of Balaam. Balaam preached for money. I have never had anybody accuse me of preaching for money. Have I, Marilyn? No. <laughs> I know. No. No. No, no, no. Okay. Well, holding to the teaching of Balaam. Balaam means ruler of the people, by the way. Baal. Balaam, ruler of the people. That's like Nicodemus. Who he kept on teaching to Balak to cast a stumbling block down in front of the sons of Israel. Now, the Holy Roman Empire will persecute true Christians, and some of those true Christians would become called by the name of Paulicians. Paulicians and Novatians. Novatians. Novatians after the pastor at Rome that held to the truth. Montanists, Puritans, Novatians, Paterines, Cathari. That's what these Christians, of course they were called Christians at Antioch, weren't they Christians? Followers of Christ. Uh, to cast down a scandalone. Scandalone, that means, this, that our word scandal comes out of that, but it means a stumbling block, a deterrent. down in front of the sons of Israel to eat idol sacrifices. To eat idol sacrifices. Later on, the church at Rome would make idols. The church at Rome is filled with idols today. Filled with idols. Somebody wanted to give me an idol the other day and I said, no thank you. <laughs> Even one of the Catholic idols. And I said I didn't need it. Idol sacrifices and to uh, prostitution. Spiritual fornication, basically, is what it's talking about. Spiritual fornication. To prostitute some oneself for the cause of religion. To turn religion into a harlot. Balaam was a true prophet of God at one time, but he prostituted his gifts to bring about personal gain. Verse number 15. Likewise, in this same manner, who tells us the word? Likewise, in this same manner, a little adverb there, you also... You have ones holding to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. The Nicolaos. 
Nico means to conquer, and Laos means people. In other words, they went out conquering. They went out making Christians by the edge of the sword. And they went out uh, in the Christian world and persecuted those that were holding to the truth by the edge of the sword. Likewise, in the same manner, you are people rulers. Verse number 16. And then the Lord says to the people in these churches, you repent. Metanoia. That's what it comes from, metanoia. It's word here is metanoia, Second person singular, first iris, imperative, active. Second person singular, each one of you people, not as a whole, but each individual person that wants to hear the truth needs to repent and come out of that. In my ministry of 50 years plus now, in that 50-something years, I have uh, seen uh, a few Jehovah Witnesses converted. I have seen a few, very few Mormons converted because the Mormon problem is that they, they don't believe in, the God, in God of the Bible. They believe in God, but their belief in God is believing in themselves because they're gods. And so that's really hard to tell a person that he's a sinner when he thinks he's God. Isn't that hard? It's hard to tell a person he's a sinner when he thinks he's a God. You repent, each and every one of you now. I have uh, seen people come out of Armstrong Church of God and now, pretty much, Armstrong Church of God has become evangelical Christian, from what I understand. I've seen a few people come out of that, out of Seventh-day Adventist, but I saw a whole lot of them Exodus Catholicism. Probably about 35 years ago, I went down to Bakersfield to go to the doctor. I'd lived here in Fish Lake Valley. And I was having lunch with my mother at, at the Sizzler restaurant on Mount Vernon Avenue. And in that restaurant, I, Levi Montragon come up to me. And he said, Oh, Brother Jim Phillips. And he shook my hand and he hugged me with tears in his eyes. He said, I want you to meet my wife. Now, he'd gotten married. His other wife that he had before was on drugs really bad and a prostitute and everything, and she just was a mess. He got married to another woman. And he introduced me to her. He said, this is the man that over 200 of my family came to know the Lord through, is this man. Over 200 people in my family. He said, he preached the gospel and they heard the gospel and repented and came to the Lord. And he said most of them were Catholics. He said they came out. Now, Catholicism, they don't preach the Bible too much. They preach rules. When they ring a bell, you hit your knees and you do this and you do that. It's obedience. 
obedience, obedience, obedience to them and to the system. When you tell a people like that that you're free in Jesus Christ and that you and, and, and God have a personal relationship, they just sometimes just say, Wow! Wow! This is great! I don't have to go to a priest anymore. I don't have to go to a priest anymore. I don't have to ask a priest to forgive me and then I have to do something to get forgiveness. I ask Jesus to, God to forgive me what God, Jesus did because Jesus did it all. You repent, therefore, unless I come to you quickly. The word toxi there, toxi. This is the word in Greek right here. Toxic. Toxic. We got an English word to come right out of that. Didn't you know that? Taxi. Taxi. When you want to ride real quick, you call for a taxi, don't you? All right, that's the word comes out of that word. I come to you quickly. I come to you quickly, toxic. And I will fight with you. And I will fight with them. With the sword of my mouth. With the sword of my mouth. Verse number 17 now. The one having an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 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 It's not the church as an institution, but each and every church. Can a church come out of this terrible mess and come to the Lord? Can a church come out of this terrible heresy and come to the Lord, the whole church? I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my lifetime. I remember this church down in the Long Beach area. They heard the truth. The pastor heard the truth and went to the church and preached the truth and went to the church and says, we're going to become real Baptists. And the church voted to do that. And the church, the whole, the pastor was baptized and the whole church was baptized. The, the church, the pastor was baptized by the authority of the New Testament church and then the pastor baptized all of those people again. They'd already been baptized once but now they're baptized with authority. The whole church repented. And he says to the churches, the one overcoming, I shall uh, give freely to him manna. Manna. Mana. In Hebrew, it's mana. It comes from ma in Hebrew, which means what? What is it? Manna. Manna. What is it? They didn't know what it was when God gave them manna. But I'm going to give you to the manna, the bread of life. The one hidden. And I shall give to him a stone, a white stone, and upon the stone the, a new name, having been written, which one no one knows except the one receiving it. Now, Mormonism plays with this. Mormonism, basically, Joseph Smith was a uh, Mason. He was a Mason. He was part of a Masonic lodge. And he took the Masonic Lodge and turned it into a religion. 
And uh, he had a lot of uh, inspiration probably from Satan or demonic inspiration, basically. I think Joseph Smith did. He couldn't have thought up all this stuff without help from a higher power, even though the power was from below. Now, I'm going to give you a new name. So, Joseph Smith said, of course, he liked women a lot. I think he had about 70 wives, something like that, that he called his wives. He sent his missionaries out on a mission trip and then married their wives, and, of course, he had to consummate the marriage. Really, literally, with that woman. Just in case the husband, so the husband would be safe, and so they'd get to heaven she had to marry Joseph Smith. And this happened over and over again. This is part of Mormon history, and they know it now. But they still say, oh, it's a good way of life, even though we had a fraud for a prophet. Well, in Mormonism, you go get married in the temple, and in the temple you get a new name. A new name. That nobody knows but you, and the man has the name, and then uh, a woman cannot be resurrected in Mormonism unless she is married to a Mormon man, which is a Mormon god. A woman is not is not eternal otherwise. And if the woman pleased the man in this life, uh, he will call her out of the grave by that name, and she will rise out of the grave. But when they bury this woman, they put a veil over her face. And he calls her through the veil into the resurrection. Otherwise, the woman stays in the ground. And that's some power that a Mormon man has over a woman. Because if she wants to be resurrected, she's going to have to be faithful to her husband and uh, make him want to resurrect her in the next life. And so they borrow this here and pervert it. They, it's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. We need to always remember what, what this dispensation we're living in and be faithful for our charge in that discipline, in our discipline in that age that we're living in. We live in the Laodicean age, and we haven't got there yet. Now, these is, this is a charge to the churches that lived between 300 and 606 A.D., Pope Leo was a, the popery was a literally and officially established during this period of time. They had a pope, and that would be a Nicolaitan over all the people, wouldn't it? A pope would be a Nicolaitan over all the people, and so this is what would happen at the time. But who was, <clears throat> who was really the first pope in Catholicism? Who was their first pope? In all reality, it wasn't Peter. Who was the first pope? The first pontifex, pontifex maximus in the Catholic Church. When did the Catholic Church begin? Basically, 
nearly under when Constantine took over about 325 and the Council of Nicaea declared the church the church Catholic. Three twenty-five is when the Catholic Church began. If you go beyond that, you're going to find Christians, primitive Christians. Okay. After that period of time, they were called the Church Catholic, but Christians were called by names locally, whatever they went under, or more exactly by what they taught and what they believed. The next message we're going to get here is to a different church, Thyatira. Tyro. Father, we thank you for the message we had to Pergamos and guard our hearts against that false doctrines of that church and help us realize what took place during that period of time. Father, please forgive me where I failed you and use your word throughout the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.